Welcome to the Nourish, Eat, Repeat podcast, helping people who want to improve their health and change their mindset around food so they can live the life they were designed and called for. I am your host, Adrian Delgado, and in this podcast, I'll give you step-by-step action plans to reach your health goals, as well as my favorite recipes I know you and your family will enjoy. Let's get started. Welcome back to the Nourish, Eat, Repeat podcast. I am so excited to be here today, and I'm really excited to talk about this particular topic. So you may have read the title and thought, huh, where's she going to go with this one? And I wanted to grab your attention, but I also wanted to tell you how these six words have changed my life. So today we're talking about how the first 10 minutes sucks for everyone. And I want to apply it to two different areas of our life. I'm going to apply it to exercise and I'm going to apply it to diet because as you know, we talk all things nutrition in this podcast um, and health and wellness and mindset and all those great things. So today we're going to put all those things together and sum it up in these six words. The first 10 minutes sucks for everyone. I don't even know if that's six words. The first 10 minutes sucks for everyone. Yeah, guess what? We're talking about seven words. I've already (laughs) messed up my math for the day. So let's talk about this for a little bit. Um, As you know, I like to, to work out. I think I've shared with you, I do my workouts mostly in the morning because I think it's really important to, um, to get my mindset in a great place. And exercise for me is such a stress management tool. Um, I also like to work out before the kids wake up. So that way they're not interrupting my, my routine. And that way I don't have to get angry at them if they need something and they interrupt my workout. So it's just been a habit of mine to get it done before they wake up. And so uh, one of the things I really enjoy doing is running. Uh, not so much of a cold weather fan. So over the winter, the running definitely slows down. Um, I don't belong to a gym. My husband does. So if the stars align and we're able to go work out together at the same time, every once in a while, I will go with him to Planet Fitness and run on the treadmill. But I'm pretty much um, basically committed to running outside. And again, cold weather, not so much my friend, so don't do it as often as I like. Definitely pick it up more in the spring, summer, and fall. So anyway, I like to run. And I don't know if you like to run, but if you have ever run or if you are currently a runner, you will know that the first 10 minutes sucks. It just does, right? Everything is hard. Your muscles don't want to cooperate. Your breathing is ragged. Like everything just sucks. And I remember thinking one time, like, what is wrong with me? I have been running for years. Why, why isn't this getting easier? Right. And, you know, that was just the PG version of what I was saying in my head. There were a lot of other things like, I hate this. I hate my life. Why am I still running if it's not getting easier? Why can't I do this? I'm never going to be able to run. I'm always going to be slow. I'm going to, I feel like I'm going to die. I should just quit. (laughs) Right? Those are all the thoughts that we think in those first 10 minutes. And 
Then one day, I was reading an article in Runner's World, and I came across this this quote, the first 10 minutes sucks for everyone. And in that moment, I found so much relief and so much peace. The first 10 minutes sucks for everyone. It doesn't matter if you are new to exercising or if you are an Olympic athlete. The first 10 minutes is going to suck. And all of a sudden, I came to realize that how I was performing in those first 10 minutes, when my legs weren't cooperating, where it felt like I was running through sludge or cement, why I couldn't catch my breath, it hurt to breathe, my heart hurt, everything hurt. I realized that collection of symptoms or signs or whatever you want to call them was not a reflection of my progress. It was just the admission price for the rest of my run. And all of a sudden, my whole perspective changed. When you're in the middle of it, when you're telling yourself, this is horrible, this is terrible, I don't want to do this anymore, I hate this, everything, of course you want to quit. But if you're thinking to yourself, yeah, the first 10 minutes just sucks for everyone, and this is just going to suck for me too. And you don't make it good or bad, you just make it, it is what it is. Then all of a sudden, it becomes tolerable. And all of a sudden, you're able to talk differently to yourself and say, all right, yep, this is just how it is in the beginning. This is my muscles and my body transitioning from sedentary to movement. Of course, there's going to be some resistance. Your body does not like (laughs) to have to work and exert. It feels better when it works and exerts. But in those beginning stages, your body's like, what the heck are we doing here? This would feel so much better sitting on the couch doing nothing. Why are you torturing yourself? But again, it all comes down to mindset. If you realize this is just the admission price for the next 30 minutes and they're going to be great, it becomes tolerable and you're able to push through. And so guess what? When you're running the first 10 minutes, they're either going to be slow, they're going to be awful, or they're going to be both. And in all three circumstances, it's still okay. Never expect anything from those first 10 minutes. It's literally the admission price that you pay for a great run. And that's it. Because once the first 10 minutes are over, it's done. You don't even think about it at the end of the run. Because you're just thinking about how great you feel after you moved your body and accomplished a goal. And so I don't know if that's helpful for you. I don't know if you struggle like I do. Um, And it doesn't even have to apply to running. It can apply to biking or even just walking, depending on where you're starting. And I just want to give you that peace of mind and that reassurance that you're doing nothing wrong. It is not a reflection of your endurance and of your progress and your capability um, to move. It's just what it is. Now, we can also apply the first 10 minutes sucks for everyone when it comes to cravings. I just did an episode about cravings a couple weeks ago. So um, you can find that on the podcast, this, this whole act of how do we disable cravings. But let's just dive in again and talk about it. When you have cravings, they're intense, right? 
What are some of the things you say in that moment? You know, when you're telling yourself, no, I don't want to give into it, right? The first thing you think of is, this is stupid. I hate this. I just want to do what I want to do. I'll start tomorrow. Oh, I hate my life. I'm never going to lose weight. I don't care anymore. I just want to, I just want to do what I want to do. I just, I'll be fat. It's fine. I don't care anymore. I don't want to do this right? (laughs) Do you notice some of the similarities from how you were talking to yourself from those first 10 minutes of exercise to the first 10 minutes of trying to delay a craving, right? I always tell people, please don't expect anything from those first few minutes except a lot of opposition from your brain, right? We think that once we we learn something, it's just going to be great, Right? I, I say this to my clients all the time, like, this is your expectation. You're going to come into my office. You have an expectation that I'm going to teach you something. It's going to be profound. You're going to hear it once. You're going to make the change, and then you're never going to have to worry about it again. Problem solved. Done. That's not how this works. <laughs> right? You may hear something. You may want to try to implement it, and then all of a sudden, your brain goes into full-out war against you actually doing the action. It tries to throw up every single excuse it can to stop you from doing something different. Now, why does that happen? It's because our brain doesn't like change. Our brain likes to know what is coming next. And so if you have always behaved in a certain way, and now all of a sudden you're trying to change it, your brain's like, whoa, no, 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 we don't like this, right? You have a craving. We get up, we go to the fridge, we get the food, we come back, sit back on the sofa, and everything is well. (laughs) All is well. And now all of a sudden you're saying, okay, I get a craving, I think about food, and this time I'm not going to get up. And your brain's like, no, 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 that's not how we do things. Remember, you get up. And so then it starts to, your brain starts to get annoyed. And so it starts to, you know, try more intense thoughts. Come on come on, you can do this. You can just do it tomorrow. It's fine. You'll do it tomorrow. I promise. Tonight, let's just, let's just do it. Let's just eat the snack. Right? And then you're like, no, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to sit here instead. I'm not going to eat. And then your brain's like, hey, did you forget? You must have forgotten because this is the time of day where we eat snacks. What are you thinking? Come on, you have to get up. Just this one last time. Let's just make it one last time, right? Your brain is relentless. And those first 10 minutes, they might suck because your brain is throwing everything at you to try to get you to engage in the past behavior. All right? So listen, I'm a firm believer in telling my clients exactly what's going to happen. So that way when they're in the moment, they don't think they're doing something wrong. Or they don't think that there's something wrong with them. So if you're going to try to do something different, those first 10 minutes, your brain is going to throw everything at you to do what you've previously done. All right? When you challenge your brain to think differently, it doesn't like it. I heard this example one time, and I thought it was, I thought it was brilliant. So let's take, for example, let's say you're driving to work. And you take the same route every day. You like the route. It's familiar. You know the patterns of traffic. And all of a sudden, 
you notice on your way to work this particular day, there are detour signs. They're going to be working on the road ahead. And all of a sudden, you freak out. What do you mean there's a detour? How am I supposed to get to work on time? This is stupid. Why are they always working on the roads that I need to drive on? Why, you know, why, why, why? This is terrible. You know, never mind the fact that somebody took the time to put up signs along the detour route to show you where to turn, to make sure you can get back on your path. We don't have any thoughts for that. (laughs) We don't have any thoughts of gratitude for the person that has tried to help us make the detour more tolerable. We just freak out because we have to go a different way. We've all done it. And that's exactly what your brain does. When you're trying to teach it a different way, it freaks out. It doesn't matter if you have the tools and the tips and all the resources. It doesn't matter if you have the step-by-step approach. Your brain doesn't like it. And so all I want to say is for the first 10 minutes when you try something new, it may suck. It may suck because your brain's opposing you. It may suck because you're not sure of yourself in that moment, um, because it's unfamiliar. You're not good at it yet because you haven't tried it. And it's okay. It's part of the process. Again, don't make it good or bad. Just make it the currency or the admission price for figuring it out. Because eventually you are going to figure out and then you're going to be like, why was I so upset? It wasn't that big of a deal. The other part is expectations, right? It may take you a couple times to practice. A lot of times we think if I just hear it enough, I'm going to do the action, If I just hear Adrian talk about eating when I'm hungry and not eating when I'm stressed out, if I just listen to enough podcasts, eventually it's going to sink in. No. You actually got to do the work. Sometimes you need to hear it once, twice, ten times. That's okay. But eventually, you're going to actually have to do the work where if you're feeling stressed, you don't eat. You find a different coping strategy. Then you practice. Then that's when your brain brings up all the junk and the reasons why you shouldn't do the work. But you do it anyway. And you do it again and you do it again and you do it again until you get good at it. That's how this works. But again, I want to be clear, the opposition is what freaks us out. The opposition from our brain is what makes us quit all the time. And it's just a natural part of the process. It's okay. Now, I was listening to a lady talk one time, and she threw out this comment, and it, it definitely made me think. She said, if 50% of the feelings that you feel in your lifetime are uncomfortable. Now, let me just pause here. If 50% of the feelings that we feel in our lifetime are uncomfortable, like already, I'm like, hold up. I don't like that. I don't want 50% of the feelings that I feel in my lifetime to be uncomfortable. Maybe 5% I'll take. I'd rather have only 5, maybe 10. I'll give you 10. But I don't want 50% of my feelings to be uncomfortable. That doesn't feel good. I want want 90% to be all wonderful. Because isn't that what we're sold? Isn't that what we're told? (laughs) We buy into that. You know, 
You can be happy if you just buy this product. You can be happy if you just eat this food. Everything is about creating happiness. I have to think about this for a little bit. What if that's not true? What if we're buying into a lie? Just for the sake of argument, what if 50% of the feelings in our lifetime are going to be uncomfortable? If that is true, wouldn't it make sense that we should learn how to cope in the uncomfortable? Wouldn't it do us well to learn how to sit with stress or sadness or boredom or loneliness and be okay? Right? It all comes down to you know, that conversation when your kid skins his knee and you're like, let's go inside and eat a cookie or let's go get some ice cream. You're not teaching the child how to deal with discomfort and pain. You're just saying, let's cover it up with food. Right? And my daughter um, was playing basketball the other week and she fell and she skinned her knee. And it was the tiniest brush burn, but you would have thought we needed to amputate. Oh, the pain. It hurts when I get a shower. And I'm like, yeah, honey, it does hurt. I remember those times when I would do that. You know, but I didn't need to give her an ice cream cone because her knee hurt. She was looking for empathy and she was looking for compassion in that moment. And I gave her a hug and I'm like, I know, honey. And you, you were, you were, you played so great that day. You were aggressive and, you know, you went after the ball and Falling is sometimes part of it, but I'm so proud of you for getting right back up and, and playing, right? And I know it hurts. You're right. Getting a shower does hurt. Maybe it would be helpful to like kind of put your leg outside of the water right now until it feels better, right? And all of a sudden she learns like, yeah, this is uncomfortable, but it's going to get better. And here are some tools that I can use to make it hurt a little less in the meantime. And I know if I'm having pain, I can go to my mom and she'll listen to me and she'll give me a hug and I'll I'll feel better, right? What if we learn how to cope with uncomfortable emotions? Anytime we get opposition, anytime we feel scared, anytime we're stressed, and my goodness, everybody is stressed right now. Right? We want to cover it up immediately and get back to comfortable. But what if we just learn how to sit in the uncomfortable? I can't tell you how many times I've met with clients recently where their homework assignment was to go and be bored. Go and be bored. If you feel bored and restless, sit there. Be bored. Learn how to enjoy being bored. Try it for three minutes. <laughs> the first person came back and said, I didn't even last 30 seconds. Like, okay, well, let's start there. Sometimes we need to learn how to sit in the uncomfortable and not rush to cover it up. (laughs) I had a lady the one day, she said she was stressed out. And so she went to the kitchen and started eating and was like, nope, that's not it. And then she ate something else. Nope, that's not it. And then she ate something else. Nope, that's not it. And then she realized, (laughs) I'm stressed. Go get out of the kitchen. 
And we were having a conversation about it. I'm like, it wouldn't have mattered what you ate. You could have ate 500 things and none of the things would have helped because hunger wasn't the problem. If hunger isn't the problem, food is not the solution. It's really simple. We like to complicate it, but it's really simple. Let me give you another example of how we like to use the wrong coping strategy. Um, Let's say that you get 12 hours of sleep, uninterrupted, blissful, beautiful, deep sleep. You wake up and you feel energized like none other. (laughs) You are just, wow, I feel refreshed, ready to start my day. Especially for those of you that have little ones at home, this feels like a dream. (laughs) So let's say you get 12 hours of sleep. You're feeling amazing. You start to walk down the, the hallway and you hear your stomach growling. And in your head, you're thinking, oh, my stomach's growling. I must be hungry. That makes sense because it's been 12, 13 hours since the last time I've eaten. Okay. And what if I'm also happen to be in your house and I happen to stop you as you walk down the hallway and say, you know, I know you think that a growling stomach means hunger, but I really think you're just tired. I think you need more sleep. And you would look at me and you'd be like, what? No, I just got 12 hours of sleep. That makes zero sense. I'm telling you I'm hungry. I'm like, yeah, I know you think you're hungry, but I really think you need more sleep. Why don't you go back to bed? Like that conversation makes zero sense. But yet we do it all the time. Our body's trying to communicate stress. Our body's trying to communicate frustration. Our body's trying to communicate boredom. Our body's trying to communicate loneliness. And we're like, yeah, I think we just need to eat. And your body's like, no, no, I don't. I don't want food. I need rest. I need a hug. I need somebody to listen. I need a hobby. Right? For some of you, you need a hobby. <laughs> we have to learn how to better understand how our body communicates different emotions to us instead of rushing to cover them up. We also have to learn that uncomfortable emotions are just part of life. And it's okay. It's uncomfortable. Yeah, you're right. It is uncomfortable. Nobody wants to purposely make themselves uncomfortable. But we also don't have to rush to to chase them away. Because honestly, time does heal. And in the moment, it doesn't feel like any amount of time that passes by will be enough but it's usually, it's usually less than 10 minutes. Unless we're talking about something, you know, specific trauma. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about just gentle, what well, I don't even want to call it gentle. I'm just talking about basic uncomfortableness, stress, anxiety, boredom, loneliness, fatigue. All right. So part of the process of working through all this is just recognizing what is normal, (laughs) what is to come, and how to work through it. So at the end of the day, I just want you to know, yes, the first 10 minutes sucks for everyone. You are not doing anything wrong. 
It doesn't mean you're not progressing. It doesn't mean you're not getting better and you're not learning and growing. It doesn't mean any of that. It just means the first 10 minutes sucks. We don't have to rush to cover up the uncomfortable. Sometimes it's just the price of admission for growth, for a better time, for conquering a goal. And we need to learn patience. (laughs) I actually just wrote this out today. Literally just wrote this out. I'm just, as I'm saying these words, I'm realizing I just wrote these words out today on my journal. Um, Specifically, I wrote out the fruits of the spirit because this is something I know I struggle with and something I want to um, do better with. And, you know, when you look up the fruits of the spirit in Galatians, it talks about love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And you, you're probably smarter than I am, but I'm like, what the heck is forbearance? (laughs) It's patience, right? We need to learn patience, right? Uncomfortable. I don't know if it's 50% of our lives, but if that's true, I want to learn how to get really good at sitting in it so that I'm not rushing to cover it up. And part of it, we just sometimes need to take the drama out. We need to stop assigning moral value to everything. It's not good or bad. It just is. And when we can do that, we all of a sudden move to a state of tolerance. And from tolerance, we can get confidence. And from confidence, we can, you know, move on. So guys, I just want to challenge you to maybe adopt these seven words into part of your mindset and see how it changes your life. See how you're able to do things differently when you think differently. All right. So we need to get you your recipe for the day. This is actually from one of my clients. She shared this salad recipe with me and I loved it because it was just really simple and it was just different. So I'm always looking for different ways to make a salad interesting. Um, I do enjoy eating vegetables. For a lot of people, salads are a great way for them to get all their vegetable servings in for the day. Um, Plus, as you know, vegetables are great for fiber. You guys already know how much I love talking about that. Um, But this is a a good one. So real simple. For this salad recipe, uh, you'll need some arugula. If you don't like arugula, substitute. Okay, use spinach, use lettuce, use romaine, use whatever you like. I sometimes find it interesting, and I'm not trying to to put anyone down here, but you know, when we see a recipe and we're like, oh, I don't like that ingredient, we automatically write off that recipe. No, just substitute, put something in you do like. You that's how we try new things, first of all, but. Rather than looking at one or two ingredients and being like, oh, I would never eat that because I don't like that, just substitute things that you do like. Recipes are not written in stone. They're meant to be rewritten, revised, to meet your personal preferences. So that was just a little sidebar. All right, so you're going to use some arugula or any lettuce you like, (laughs) red onion, 
white beans. I probably am going to use, um, we're making this tonight for dinner. Um, so I'm going to use a cannellini bean, asparagus, and that's it. It's real simple. I might actually add some goat cheese too, because I think that would taste good. And so you're actually going to saute your, or steam. Actually, I think steaming would work better here. Your asparagus and red onion. And then you're going to add it to your greens along with some white beans. I'm going to add some goat cheese. And then you're going to make a balsamic vinaigrette. This is my absolute favorite go-to balsamic dressing. Uh, it's actually found in the Nourish, Eat, Repeat book that I wrote. So if you're looking for some really easy family-friendly recipes, go ahead and get that book. Um, but this is one of the recipes out of it, and it's just a simple balsamic dressing. So it's a quarter cup of balsamic vinegar, a half a cup of olive oil, one tablespoon of Dijon mustard, a half a teaspoon of salt, half a teaspoon of sugar, one to two cloves of garlic minced, and some black pepper. And you just throw all those ingredients in a mason jar and you shake them up, and that is your dressing. Uh, I will say there's no preservatives in that salad dressing, so after five to seven days, you are gonna wanna toss it if you haven't used all of it. Um, but you're probably gonna use all of it because it's that delicious. And so that's the dressing I'm going to make to pour over my salad tonight. And I hope you guys enjoy it as much as, um, as I'm looking forward to it. All right, that's what I got for you today. As always, if you need anything at all, please reach out. If you have any ideas for future episodes and topics, I'm all ears. Um, I love to give you guys content that's helpful. And so um, I'm just thankful for all of you and for showing up and for um, all your support. So I hope you guys have a great week and I'll see you next time. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Nourish Eat Repeat podcast. If you found this episode helpful, please rate, review, and share with others so we can reach and help more people. For more information about nutrition, how to work with a dietitian, or about any of our programs, visit our website at bodymetricshealth.com. You can also find us on socials. We're on Instagram and Facebook at bodymetricshealth. The book Nourish Eat Repeat is available on our website and Amazon in both paperback and ebook versions. Once again, I'm Adrienne Delgado, and I'll see you next week.